Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and... I fuck on the first date. <laughs> didn't we? We, we did, on the first date. We fucked, didn't we, honey? He's an animal. If it's something that's really well done the first time, it's not broken, stop trying to smash it. I'm always intrigued to see what it is that people are going to do with something that's already been done before. I hate remakes. I love remakes. Welcome everybody to part one of I Hate Love Remakes episode 18. I'm Noel, joining me as always is Evie. I'm invincible! No, I don't think you are. Shut up, just let me quote the Black Knight. I thought you were quoting Goldeneye. No, it's the Black Knight where he's like, I'm invincible! And he's already had like his arms and legs chopped off. It's and funny! In Goldeneye, he's like, I'm invincible and gets like sprayed with the liquid nitrogen. Yeah, I don't care about Goldeneye. Okay. Joining us today is a very special guest. Ooh. <laughs> She's the author of the serialized novel Hinges of Destiny. She's the co-host of Strangers from the Internet. She is the writer for a, was it Another One's Treasure? That's correct. She is Angel Tusa. Ooh, hi. <laughs> Welcome. I've heard it all. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I remember, well, I have the website open. <laughs> that helps, yeah. Plus, I do actually follow everything you do, too, so. Well, you, well, you also edit my story, so that helps. <laughs> That's true. How is volume four going, by the way? It's up. Chapter one started posting Monday, so, well, actually. Oh, about I must have missed that because I was on the plane. I'll have to look for it. I'm sure by the time this goes live, it'll be pretty far along. But yeah, every Monday and Tuesday, the uh, new posts go up. And I think they can find all of your stuff at angietusa.com. That is correct. And we'll put up a link in the show notes. Yay. Everything you do, I want to follow. <laughs> well, it's a mutual admiration society because I enjoy I Hate Love Remakes as well as your blog. So. Oh, thank you. And I also like Evie, too. Yay, me! Left out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually do anything on the internet. Occasionally, I am sarcastic on Twitter. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think you have, like, what, one live journal post? <laughs> yeah, just really the one complaining about the thing where I'm like, everything in this movie is stupid. Well, you know, if you're going to be on live journal, you have to complain, so... No, I mean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Right, exactly, exactly. Does you that mean I'm doing it wrong and that I just use live journal to list everything else I do? Yes. yes. Okay. F quadruple minus. Well, I'm out of my teen complaining years. Mm. Well, well beyond them. I don't have anything else to use it for. And I used it for a review of the thing, too, and I actually gave it a good review. Well, yeah, because you like everything. I don't like everything. You say he doesn't like the idea of Michael Bay doing the Ninja Turtles, but he's like, it could work. Uh, yeah, whatever. You know, it's too early to say. It might suck, it might not. I don't know. So you want to tell us what movie it is that we're covering this episode? No. No, I don't. Uh, it's April Fool's Day from 1986. Yes, yeah, directed by Fred Walton and written by Danilo Bach. And Fred Walton we'll probably be getting to at some point because he's the guy who wrote and directed When a Stranger Calls, which I've never seen. I know a lot of people like it. I've never seen it. I don't know. My I... great and unabiding joy. <laughs> and he also did this film called The Rosary Murders, which I know was pretty popular in the 80s, but again, haven't seen it. Yeah, cocaine was also popular in the 80s, so, you know, one may have been affecting the other. Okay. And Danilo Bach is most famous for being the co-writer of the original Beverly Hills Cop. A.K.A. I think the only good one. Well, I think the second one was probably okay, too. I like the third one, too, where they go to Wally World. 
I think you're in a minority there. I love it. It's Wally World. <laughs> That's about the only thing that Daniel Bach has done that I've seen. He also did Someone to Watch Over Me, the Ridley Scott film, a couple of TV movies. April Fool's Day and Beverly Hills Cop are kind of his big things, and even Beverly Hills Cop, he only has original story credit, meaning other people rewrote it after him. So that's about the level of familiarity I have with these two guys. I've never heard of them before or since. No. Okay. Well, then I guess I might as well get the synopsis out of the way. That's right. what she said. <laughs> Muffy St. John invites a group of her college friends out to her family's island mansion for a spring break vacation. After the deckhand of the island ferry is injured in a gruesome accident and rushed to the hospital, the group tries their best to relax but encounter a number of pranks. Some are innocent, like whoopee cushions and dribble glasses. Others more inflammatory, like drug and bondage paraphernalia or a recording of a crying baby in the room of a woman who had an abortion. Muffy's behavior becomes strikingly different, with the prim and professional woman suddenly appearing scattered and unkempt. People start disappearing left and right, and when a body and a bunch of severed heads are found in the well out back, they realize a killer is in their midst. The group is weeded down to young lovers Rob and Kit, who find clues that reveal Muffy has been killed and replaced by her identical twin sister Buffy, who recently escaped from an insane asylum. They outrun Buffy, coming across one corpse after another, but they're separated and Kit bursts into the living room. All of her slain friends are there, alive and fully intact. It was all one big joke. Buffy doesn't even exist, and Muffy explains that she plans to turn the mansion into a murder mystery inn, and she wanted to test it out on her friends first. Some are angry, some are amused, some are still stunned, but they all pop open the champagne and get hammered. Later that night, a drunk Muffy wanders into her room. She's attacked by Nan, the woman upset by the abortion prank. Nan slashes Muffy's throat, then gets one last laugh as she reveals the rig knife was just another joke. So, Evie, do you recommend this movie? Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's funnier than the Bible, I guess. I, I got nothing here. I got nothing. Like, oh, let's hope Adam Baldwin doesn't hear. Oh, no. What's he going to do? He won't come to Canada. It, it's fine. It doesn't really have a great payoff, but it's okay. The buildup is fine. It's just the payoff is sort of like, eh. Just, eh. <laughs> the, the, honestly, like, eh. That's my reaction to this movie. Okay. Angie, do you recommend this movie? Only if you want to see Tom Wilson play a different character besides Biff Tanning. <laughs> right? Awesome. <laughs> like, I was, like, pretty much like, oh, my God, he's in this movie. That was the only excitement I really got. It has an interesting concept. It's just not executed very well. And the scares, except for one scene, were really cheap. And since all the kills, well, they're not really kills, obviously, so you don't see them happen. It's just, it's not a very good horror movie. I recommend this movie, but mildly. I agree. It has a lot of problems. I just, I really like the cast. I really like the characters. The first half hour is just this wonderful yuppie satire comedy with just kind of one little zinger after another, and I just really find it very amusing. But the problem is, is that then when it tries to become a horror movie, yeah, because of the nature of what it is, they have to keep holding back on things. And so, yeah, it's not scary, and it's kind of dull, and everyone's just kind of running around. When it's a nice yuppie comedy, it's quite funny and quite amusing, and I really like it. But when it's a slasher film, which it kind of is for most of the second half, it loses some oomph. I actually like the big twist ending reveal that it was all a joke, but... I don't know, there was some, like, the tag at the end felt unnecessary, and because of the way that the horror was compromised, it didn't have that big of an impact. 
but I still really like the cast. There's some sequences in it that I really enjoy. I think it's at least worth catching if you see it on cable or something. So why don't we move into open discussion? We pretty much all agree that it's an experiment that doesn't entirely work. I would say it doesn't really work at all. I stand by, I I really like the first half hour of this movie. I like the part where I'm like, oh my god, that guy's Biff! And then that was, I couldn't, okay, here's my problem with some of this movie is I could not actually differentiate any of the girls. And I was like, wait, no, which one is that? No, seriously, which one is that? Like when uh, the blonde who has short hair and apparently had an abortion is supposed to be the one that's in the well. And I'm like going, wait, but that body has like brown hair or something. Yeah, I don't even care. failed for that one. It didn't look anything like her. I was like, it wasn't until the next scene when she wasn't around that I figured Mm -hmm. out that was her. Mm. And who is that guy who's supposed to, like, have some of his face taken off by the boat or whatever? Is that Buck? Yeah, yeah that's Buck, the uh, future makeup wizard extraordinaire. <laughs> it's funny because, like, you have, who is it, like, Skip or something like that that sit around going, like, oh, my God, it's totally my fault. And, I, uh, you know, what yeah. happened to Book? It's totally my fault. And I'm like, wait, who's Buck? And I swear to God, there was, like, five minutes of me going, no, who's Buck? And then I was like, oh, right, the guy on the boat, because I'd already forgotten about him. Mm. And I shouldn't have, considering, like, half of his face was supposedly taken off. (laughs) Why do we see Skip dying if he's in on the joke? I don't Uh, know. He wasn't in on it. Yeah, he was. Originally, he wasn't. Originally, he wasn't. Then why would he agree to be her cousin? You know, that's actually something that... There was a number of bits that were cut out of this that I'll get into later, but there was originally supposed to be a lot more tension between that character, and there's some still some setup in the beginning of the movie that doesn't have any payoff anymore. Well, he's, he, he's gay, right? Or he was talking about being gay. It's when he's talking to Nan, and he's talking about how he wants the guy to tell his father to essentially fuck off. To me, okay. that seemed like an obvious, I'm gay and my boyfriend doesn't want to come out of the closet. Okay, I didn't pick up on the homoeroticism there, but that was supposed to tie into the fact that he's being cut out of the inheritance because uh-huh. of his family disapproving of him, but him being gay actually would make a lot of sense as to why they're doing that. Either way, there's really no payoff to what he says to Nan. Right. No, it's very random. But yeah, there was, uh, Thomas F. Wilson sure had a lot of gay humor in this. Yeah. That was kind of... To the point where it almost felt like he might have some feelings that he's not The lady does too much, really. (laughs) I did like that one move where it's supposed to be, uh, is it Clara or who's the one who's like into everything sex-wise or whatever? There we go. Whatever her name is. Yeah, Nikki, when um, he goes into her and her boyfriend's room and he just kind of pops his color, goes in and it's like season two of them and he goes right back out. I, I just love how Nikki and Chaz are like have their legs all twisted around each other. Yeah. It's like, what is that position? We remember when she says that her first time was really uncomfortable. I'm like, well, if you're doing it like that, no wonder. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, people. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, I like the first half hour where it's just kind of following them around from one gag to another. And then it tries to become serious and then it gets kind of dull. But I I especially love Thomas F. Wilson, how they have that recurring gag of the chair that keeps falling behind him (laughs) or the door that that won't open or... He's a good physical comedian, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just kept calling him Biff. I was like, Biff! I just like the group of people, and I like the whole idea of, you know, they're just basically a bunch of yuppie college kids who haven't really entirely figured out where they're going to go next in life. and, and Which is funny, because they, they all look about 30 years old, so I was like, wow, you guys... Yeah, most of the, the actors were in their early 20s at the time. Okay, but they look old to me. Okay. I agree, because I was kind of like, is it just because I know a lot of them grown up now? Or- at least they weren't trying to make them teenagers. 
Yeah, thankfully. Unfortunately, it's like, you know, they set up this yuppie group of kids who doesn't know where they're going in life, and then they don't really do anything with that. It's, again, it's a setup that doesn't really have much payoff. Exactly. All the character moments. It's like there's Rob, and he wants to be a doctor, but he's apparently not serious enough. But it never goes anywhere. Yeah. the point, you know? Exactly. Or the entire, the pranks that are made to humiliate people, you know, like the abortion tape, the finding the bondage and drug gear, the car crash. None of those really pay off either. Well, that's why I don't believe the premise, because if I had an abortion and you mocked me for it, I'm not going to go, okay, I'll pretend to be dead for you. It's like they tried to do that with the whole Nan tag at the end. Mm -hmm. But again, that tag was something that was added late in reshoots. So it just doesn't, it it feels like something that was added in reshoots. Mm -hmm. Slick her hair back and (laughs) it's just badly done. Yeah. It's the start of a good movie. It just unfortunately doesn't continue on being a good movie. See, when you were talking about their college kids and they don't really know what to do with their lives, I'm like, they were convincing me of this any less if they were actually napping while doing their scenes. Like, (laughs) there was absolutely nothing to convince me that, you know, he was actually upset about what the counselor had said to him. And I'm like, dude. And then he just says it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, instead of, you know, any actual emotion, anything, just no. I do agree with the fact that it never pays off because despite the fact that he did not convince me of anything later on, I'm like, so you still don't know what you're doing, huh? Okay, well, movie's over. You never even see him trying to be a doctor at some point. Yeah. Like trying to save someone's life and then like, hey, wait, this wound isn't real. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, here's the thing. There's that body when the two of them are like making out slash getting it on in that boathouse that floats underneath. And I'm just like, what if she hadn't like super turned her head like that? What was the plan then? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They were just hoping someone would notice that. The fact that that makeup artist extraordinaire could recreate so many faces so exactly. From photos. Just yeah, from photos. And I'm like, which is incredible because, you know, usually the planes of a face and little things like that, you might not be able to see in photos. And but... here's the thing. And he says that they were existing props that he just touched up a little based on the photos. Yeah. Well, and sure. I'm like, yeah, sure you did. Yeah. The only bit that I do like is then in the end when they're having the big party, they're just playing around with the heads. That was kind of funny, yeah. But yeah, it's it just basically just trying to hand wave it like, oh, he's a makeup guy. And boom, everything is supposed to make sense. I do like the bit where he suddenly shows up in the closet with Rob mm-hmm. and Rob is just screaming and here he just kisses Rob and then pulls off the makeup and plops, yes, <laughs> plops right slaps right And his... Rob is like freaking out like he doesn't mm-hmm. know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I actually really like the entire reveal of the end. I'm really a big fan of Amy Steele, the actress who plays Kit. And just mm-hmm. her soaking it in. And just that, ha, 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 real funny, guys. That's just a classic line to me. I'm sorry, but all of these people are complete assholes. They went along with it. What was well, the backup the thing plan? Is they're all supposed to be assholes. It, no, that... but what was the backup plan if someone had said, no, fuck you, I'm not doing that? No, What's I know. their backup plan? And she talks about a few things that go wrong, like, oh, I didn't know that snake was going to be there, or, oh, I didn't know he was going to have that gun. It's like, well, yeah. that could have played out in some way. Yeah, I'm like, what would have happened if someone had died? Then what? Huh? Hello? Yeah. Speaking of which, I like Harvey. He's so eager to please. His name is Hal, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call him hard. I love how he's just stealing cigars and then, like, the one explodes on him. I saw that coming from a million miles away. I'm like, exploding cigar. So uh, it was still fun. I just love the bit where he's standing out on the, on the deck and he's doing that little exercise thing. And mm-hmm. then here, Nikki pops out with her shirt open. And, and we didn't even get a titty shot. shot from Nikki. Come on. No, 
Well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, they cut out so much violence. They didn't really have any nudity. The swearing is minimum. There's no reason this couldn't have been like a PG-13 movie. It was actually yeah. rated R. It was. Yeah, there's a, just enough gore, guess, for that. Dude, if I had gone to see this... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the first PG-13 movie, was gorier than this. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the Transformers movies were gorier than this. <laughs> this is true. Especially when Optimus Prime rips out Megatron's spine. <laughs> PG-13, okay. Whatever, you guys. That totally makes sense. So, did we like any of the actors stand out to you guys other than Thomas Wilson? Or? Um, nope. The chick who played Nikki looked a lot like Kristen Bell to me. I know, yeah. yeah. She had a bit of that. And therefore, it made me like her, even though I didn't like her character. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing is, she's supposed to be a character that is not supposed to be a likable person. Most of these characters aren't supposed to be likable people. But it's still saying that, you know, even unlikable people don't deserve to be killed. Well, yeah, they do. That's what cannon fodder's for. <laughs> she's another one that, like, why would she go along with that? You dropped her in a well. She this... thought it was heads and a dead body. When here's the thing is, you know, she's kind of, you know, the unlikable bitch. Who's the last person that you would expect to actually try to help out by climbing down into the well? Yeah, what was up with that? And on top of that, that was kind of reaching because if she hadn't fallen in the well, what was their next plan? That was something that they added in the script. It was just they look into the well, boom, the bodies are down there. That would have made more sense because like what a completely random happenstance that she fell down here. Because if she didn't, they wouldn't have found anything. They'd still be walking around going, well, I guess they had to make it more dramatic. Well, at least it kind of worked, because you had the bucket, the rope was broken. Any fool could have seen that that rope was rotted through. You didn't. Exactly. And the wrongs were loose, so they kind of set it up. It was better than the scene in the boathouse or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they kind of, yeah, but what if, you know, she had broken her neck falling down the well because you loosen the wrongs? You're sort of betting that someone's going to let the bucket fall into the well and then someone else will climb down for it. Well, it could also be that they were just waiting to see what would happen, and if they weren't going to climb down, they would just release the bodies which would bob up. Which, by the way, was it a metal bucket that fell down? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I think it was wood. Could be. Okay, well, then either way, they're going to have to climb all the way to the bottom of that well to get that back. So there was really no point or purpose. They should have just gotten to the house. Hmm. Idiots. And the one that really didn't work for me was Chaz, where you walk in and his penis has been cut off. Yeah, what was Which, one, that's just a really odd setup. And two, it was just really kind of awkwardly executed. Yeah. I have a note for that. Wait, let me find it. Because I thought it was funny. Oh, uh, where did I put it? I okay. like the fact that Chaz does where not... Where did I put it? I think that was Chaz's line. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that the way that they set up that he had his penis cut off is there's not a whole lot of blood. And I'm like, I assume there'd be more. So apparently if you cut a sex-obsessed teen's penis off, he will die immediately. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works, because he is literally controlled by his penis. So you No, take- actually, yes, when someone's having an erection, there's so much blood flow down there that, yes, you can kill a person by cutting their penis off. But he, he you was, assume he was having an erection, though. He did not ha- have any reason to be erect. They were fighting. Well, no, but he was also playing around with the S&M gear and flirting with her. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting guys' organ off, yeah, that can actually lead to some severe bleeding. Yeah, but I mean... But still, it was... I'm not saying that this one... It would be a lot of blood. There would be a lot more blood than that. He's just covering it with his hand. He's got the modesty going. (laughs) Yeah. He did look like the Gimp from, um... Pulp Fiction? Yeah, thank you. So, if anything, the movie reminded me to watch Pulp Fiction. 
And then, of course, it like gives us the moment of gore. And then when it comes to be Nan's turn to get killed, oh, it just cuts away when someone steps up behind her. It's again, it because of the fact that they can't actually show anyone dying. It just the film loses any real impact in any of those moments. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you meant Nikki, not Nan. I'm sorry, Nikki. Yeah. Mm. Well, Nan just disappears. You know? Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah, like Angie had said before, were they playing out a scene? Like, was Nan in on some of this? Or was it that, in fact, Nan had actually had an abortion because she had? No, no, because at the end, when Muffy is saying, like, you know, and I, my only regret is that a few of the jokes went a little too far, Nan is looking really serious in the corner. Mm. Um, not a little too far. If someone who has had yeah, an abortion... Yeah, that was a pretty, that was a pretty like, damn bold one to do. You're a complete asshole. That's not going a little too far. That makes you a complete asshole and you should feel ashamed of yourself. Like, mm-hmm. it's playing it off like it's nothing. And I didn't get the drug paraphernalia in Arches the medicine. The drug paraphernalia and the bondage gear never really pay yeah. off in terms of who they were meant for. Right. Yeah, I was just looking at it going like, well, is he a former addict? Right. He never really has any reaction beyond just discovering it being like, huh? Oh. <laughs> and I guess Harv killed someone in an accident. Yeah, I love his big explanation of, well, who hasn't been in a car accident? Yeah, Yeah, and then there's no payoff for it. Yeah, Yeah, it it is a frustrating film where there's a lot of really interesting elements that it brings up, but then it doesn't really pay off half of them. Which, by the way, if this is supposed to be some big elaborate prank that she's playing on everyone, I'm like, so wait, are we stuck in a time vortex where every single day is April Fool's Day and you're pulling pranks on people? Because well, you only not, get to do it no, that no. one day. Well, she's not doing April Fool's pranks on everybody. This is supposed to be this whole setup for a weekend murder mystery thing that's going to happen like every weekend. Yeah, but you it know. Doesn't, you- it doesn't really have to do with April Fool's. Okay, but when you have, like, the Murder Mystery Weekend, when you go to those, you know that you're going to a Murder Mystery Weekend. People yeah, don't know, just go, hey, do you want to come to, you know, my know. lake house? And then I'm going to have a murder mystery yeah. where I, you think and, everyone's dying. And that's the thing is then she drops that line of dialogue. Well, but the other guests will know what's coming. So, you know, that made this one a little more extreme than it'll so, typically be. So why did she have to keep them out of the loop this time? Because she's a bitch. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but then again, not really anyone in this film is supposed to be the most likable person. No, but if I'm just watching a bunch of assholes be assholes, I mean, there's a reason why I don't like the movie The Rules of Attraction, because it's just assholes being assholes. I like it as long as it's funny. I didn't think And this in the one first half funny. hour, I thought it was funny. After that, it just kind of got old. When Muffy gives that, let's all be friends forever and blah, 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 blah speech, I was like, oh, my God, for real. It was so cheeseball. I'm like, am I watching Seventh Heaven? And then they, they try to set up the psych out of, oh, it must be the ferryman who's come back and is killing us. Do I never thought that. extremely over-the-top setup of Muffy is acting strange. Yeah. Right. I, I love the idea of the ferryman, and I'm like, no, that's not even no. Here's the thing. I actually did like some of the Muffy as Buffy moments where she's just overplaying it to the point where it's just so odd. Mm-hmm. I especially liked it in the last bits, especially when she's chasing her around with a knife and everything, or just the bit where she's just standing in the door, just standing there. You know? yeah. but it, Which it, would have been great. But what if someone else had grabbed a knife or, you know, something exactly. else and hit her in the head? Exactly. Yeah. Or Hal had a gun and she just happened to talk him out of shooting her just in time, apparently. Yeah. Or like, yeah, what if Kit killed Muffy and mm-hmm. then the doors open and there's everyone like, April, f- oh crap. Son of a bit, we're taking this one to the grave. Yeah. It's I think just, I would have liked that ending. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, 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 it sets it up and then it doesn't pay off. 
And at the ferry, I guess it's Arch and Skip that do that thing wherein the one pretends. Thing. Yeah, which I'm like, they would have just met, right? So how did they have time to set that up? I got the impression that those two knew each other. See, I didn't because if they knew each other, it got he, a little but confusing, no, yeah. but Arch had dated Muffy, so Arch would have known if Muffy had a brother, and so maybe so, he was in on that part of the gag that must, they were just trying. But there's to cover no indication up. of that. I know. I agree. So with you. I don't think he was, unless the movie tells me otherwise. I am led to conclude that, in fact, no, he was not. So. I think I'm just going to use my bloody Valentine logic where they needed it to be funny, so they did it, and then they just dropped it. Yeah. Or at least what was great about My Bloody Valentine is they don't make things clear the first time you watch it, but then the second time you watch it, everything makes perfect sense. I'm talking about the remake. Oh, okay. Yeah, the remake. But, but, but I'm making like... a different point then. But uh, in this yeah. one, it's like the first time you watch it, it doesn't all make sense. Second time you watch it, it still doesn't all make sense. The, the first time you watch it, all it still up. doesn't make any sense. The second time you watch it, you try to punch your TV. The third it's time you watch it, up. you throw your TV out the window. The fourth time you watch it, you feel the need to kill your neighbors. The fifth time you watch it, you want to track down the stars and ask them why. Okay. No, seriously. Uh, why are you getting that far, Evie? Stop. <laughs> I'm saying for others who might I've feel seen the this film about seven times. I've never gone out and killed the neighbors. Yeah, that we know of. <laughs> I watched it two times here the last two weeks. Oh, thank it's God, Mac and I survived in Seattle then. In that picture the second time around, that was obviously a boy. I mean, he's holding a ball. Mm. That was not his sister. That was the brother. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact could be that, that as a child he was having gender identity issues, which would tie into him maybe being gay. I don't know. I, I think it's funny though. Again, like, they don't explore it when the supposed sheriff actually tells Rob about Muffy and Buffy. Like you know, he wouldn't say why he's not supposed to trust Muffy. And I'm like, just, wouldn't you want to tell her? Oh, by the way, she's a crazy ass twin sister. Yes, but no, he wouldn't. Be tell careful her. about Muffy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a he doesn't actually tell him, and then on top of that, they don't even show him. I'm like. Was the actor just not available to shoot the rest of the scene? <laughs> like, was he just like, fuck you guys, I'm done. <laughs> what happened there? Like, he just suddenly end. Like, yeah. Well, again, he was in, he was in on it. Like, yeah, but I mean, they could still show us him telling Rob that because well, he's no, They in still on wanted it. to have them put together the clues in terms of Buffy because they didn't want all the characters to know about Muffy at that point in the story. Okay, but I knew about Muffy at that point because he said, oh, yo, Buffy or something like that. Yeah. What, Muffy? Yeah. I'm like, I oh, yeah, so Muffy. You'll get here when? It was, again, it was bad it's, other side of the phone dialogue. Yeah, and on top of that, again, it's like, yeah, be careful about Muffy. It's like, why don't you just feel like she got a crazy psycho twin? <laughs> run, bitch, run. That's what I would do, which is okay. why I am not a participant in any of those murder mystery weekends <laughs> because I would be a terrible actor in them. Okay. Well, remember, they have to stick around to get pranked, so he can't tell them what's actually yeah. going on. I don't get why nobody, when they get pranked, are suddenly, like, screaming, Are you fucking kidding me? Exactly. Yeah, and then I everyone honestly, is like, what was that? Yeah, honestly, I think I'm surprised that no one's reaction was to literally kick the shit out of Muffy. Because if someone pulled that kind of shit on me, I'm like, no, you're dead. You fucking start running now. Uh -huh. yeah. Which, by the way, anyone, if you're going to prank me and you prank me like that, I will kill you. I'm not even kidding. I have a very low tolerance for something that's, it's like, they're supposed to be friends, and this is like a really, really cruel thing to do to someone. I'm like, you're not even friends. You, right. You barely like I want to test them. out this new weekend format, but I'm not going to tell any of you about it, because I want you to have extreme reactions that none of my paying customers are going to have. It would have made more sense if it was just a standard slasher. Mm. 
I'm like, I would have preferred that. I like the reveal that it's all a prank, but I don't like how it's all set up and it doesn't all add up. I don't like why it's a prank. If it yeah. if they had a better reason yeah. as to why it was a prank, maybe I wouldn't hate it. But here it's like... just If, if it was like all these are people who at one point like screwed her over and she's trying to force them to confront that and regret it, mm-hmm. that would make sense. But no, just, you know, for the house, for a weekend. For the lulls. Yeah. I had like to prove the- that my business model could work. Yeah. <laughs> By scaring the shit out of my friends who are no longer my friends. Isn't it great? Yeah. I like the idea of pranking the audience because for us, we automatically accept that the fake looking gore is real by the movie standards. Mm -hmm. So we're assuming everyone's dying. And so, you know, we're being pranked. It's just trying to make it that you're also fooling these people is also not working. And that's what I like is the film is telling it to you up front. April Fool's Day. Right. You know, it is. It's pranking the audience. The See, question I is thought... whether or not they can make the prank ultimately sustain itself. Yeah. See, I was really iffy on, you know, the point where you've got Nan in the well, and I'm like, that doesn't look like Nan. At that point, I was like, I don't think this movie is telling truth. That's the thing, though. You can almost accept the kind of fakey looking gore, especially once you then learn that it is supposed to be fake gore. Mm-hmm. It kind of sells itself in that, yeah, it's like, eh, that wasn't entirely convincing and whatnot. And then you find out why it wasn't entirely convincing, because it wasn't real. Yeah, but when you have a mannequin that's supposed to look like someone... I actually think that was supposed to be Nan, but I'm not sure. Well, they say that it's Nan. I'm like, it didn't look like Nan. Mm. I'm like, this movie is stupid and lying to me. (laughs) And then they try to do this thing with the music box. Oh my god! Which, which again, that? that end scene was entirely added in reshoots, and then I think the music box bit in the opening was added in reshoots. It has nothing to do with anything other than, oh, we need just this cute little music thing to play over the credits, and then just cute little music thing to draw up tension at the end. Do they actually sell music boxes with creepy little demon monsters inside? <laughs> yeah, no, I've never, such a I've never box. found one like that. Yeah, it's like suddenly it springs open and it's like a full moon movie. Yeah. What the heck was that? I don't And she was scared know. of it, right? That was supposed to be like... And then the... you hear the adults laughing at the freaking out child. Yeah, they're loving it. Assholes. No wonder yeah. she's Which technically, if they're having a birthday party that they're having, I'm like, so shouldn't April 1st be her birthday? Why aren't we having a birth... I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Again, added in reshoots. Somebody didn't think it through. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thought any of this through. I just yeah. assume it's all added in reshoots. <laughs> they thought of the twist, and then they tried to kind of, like, move backwards, and it didn't really work. I think right. that... <gasps> oh, my God, I get it. They're M. Night Shyamalan. Well, I, I like... <laughs> I like the opening. Thank you, Jimmy Oasis. I like the opening and I like the ending. It's just everything in the middle doesn't string them together well. Yeah, there we go. Also, M. Night Shyamalan joke. Achievement unlocked. Goodness. <sighs> Thank you. Now I want cheesecake. <laughs> so I think about now, can I just tell you guys how this was originally supposed to end? Um, I read up on how it was originally supposed to end. Well, but I can still tell it to the listeners. Okay. Oh. All right, it was originally supposed to go on for like another 20 minutes. After the party, everyone wakes up the next day, packs up their bags, heads out on the ferry. And while they're on the ferry, they start to get into a little talk about whether or not they should go back and try to prank Muffy in order to get revenge. And they kind of break up into two groups. Uh, Nikki, Chaz, Kit, and Rob decide to go back and prank. Arch and Harvey drive off 
pissed and you never see them again. We find out that Skip has been kind of screwed over on the inheritance because his family doesn't approve of him. His uncle Frank, who's playing the constable, also doesn't approve of him, gives him the cold shoulder. He gets a ride out with Nan, but he first calls Muffy to tell her that, oh, by the way, they're coming back to prank you. So anyways, the other group shows up back at the house and tries to prank her. Oh, by the way, first there's this bit where they couldn't rent a boat, so they're just literally rowing across the channel. (laughs) (laughs) Hours later, they arrive on the island. Yes, and there's literally a scene where they show up and they're all winded. um, But they would not be winded. They'd be like, oh my god, I'm in so much pain, I'm not moving for hours. Yeah, so they show up and they're, you know, a couple of them go into the house while a couple of them are outside trying to set up a prank. They're making Chaz up with all mud and leaves to try and make him look scary. And what's funny is they're like going around the house trying to set things up for a prank. And Muffy keeps noticing, and she's just kind of playing along. She's just kind of innocently smiling as she's playing along, and she notices them doing all the pranks. Anyways, before anything actually happens, suddenly Rob turns up dead. He's just dead there at the head of the stairs. And Kit can't find Muffy. She runs out to tell the others. Chaz is laying out there pretending to be dead. She's like, it's not a prank. The prank's over. Rob's dead. And he, he like springs up. What? And Nikki pops out of the bushes. What? They go up. They find Rob is in fact dead. And then suddenly Muffy appears with a knife. And then before she stabs him, she goes, da ha ha. You guys thought you could prank me again. Joke's over. They're like, but no, Rob is really dead. What? What the hell? Rob is really dead. So then, uh, I can't remember what happens to Chaz and Nikki. They get separated off somewhere, and it just basically becomes Kit and Muffy running around being chased by this shadowy figure. Shadowy figure corners them, stabs Kit to death, and it's just the figure against Muffy, and it turns out to be Skip, who came back to finally get his inheritance, and Nan is helping him to get revenge for the joke that was pulled on her. And then just as they're stabbing Muffy, boom, it's all a joke. They finally got her back. That would have made for a longer movie. Yeah, I do not think it would have made for a... That wouldn't have really fixed anything. Yeah, I don't think it would have made for a better movie, but it would have been a longer movie. If they tied it in that, yes, there was someone who was actually doing a killing and it tied into this thing, I don't know, that maybe would have worked better, but, oh, let's just repeat the movie from another point of view. Okay, yeah. so besides the theoretical Skip might be gay thing, what is it that his family doesn't approve of that he wouldn't get his inheritance well, for? the impression I got from the script was just that he's kind of a wild party guy. That he's, he he's re- so he's does not come across that way. That he's just supposed to be reckless and they don't trust him with the inheritance. The, was that weed that he, like, cut off yeah. and sniffing? Okay. Yeah, weed that was just randomly growing there. Hey, it was filmed in BC. That's how we roll. It's not, but it just made me laugh when I found out it was filmed in BC. Which, by the way, usually I can kind of pick up on, there's little landmarks or things like that that you can pick up on when watching and go, oh, hey, that was filmed locally. I had no clue this was filmed anywhere in BC. I was like, seriously? There was nothing of note that would even hint at where it was filmed that would localize it to here at Mm. all. It absolutely lacked any kind of definition. Well, it, it also it does kind of have this kind of bland everyness to it. And the thing is, I can watch movies that are filmed here and, you know, take them at, oh, yeah, no, this is supposed to be California or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'm like, I have no idea where the hell this is supposed to be. But Blandy, I think it was supposed it. to be in like New England or something. But... That, that's what I kind of got a feel from it. But it wasn't clearly defined. Yeah, it was like, it's Blandsville. That's where they <laughs> I like the bit at the end where the uh, ferryman driver is wondering about, so was my performance really good? Yeah, he was, he was cute. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, shucks. How was my performance? <laughs> I ain't never done no acting before. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know he's done, like, dinner theater, and he just <laughs> wants praise. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, I am an actor. theater troupe. It's a frustrating film. 
There's a lot of bits in it that I like, but yeah, it doesn't all come together. I think we're about near the end of part one here. Any actually, final thoughts you guys want to Actually, add? I was going to say about the music, it's not very good. The music, yeah. Well, there's a couple little bits that I like when they're kind of bringing in the little children's box tune. But yeah, it's mostly just I, I, 80s synth. Yeah. I really actually hated that tune. Well, the thing is, if it only played on the soundtrack, like when she was turning the got a little relentless. To intensify the sound, I would have gotten that, but it's like, and then she's not turning the crank, and it's still playing, and I'm like, I hate you, movie. <laughs> I like the use at the end of that old show tune, You're Crazy. Yeah, that was good. That was fun. Uh, it's still not as good as the Ballad of Harry Warden. <laughs> That's true. Any final thoughts you guys have? Or? Well, I've noticed something kind of funny. The uh, Slayer is named Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> Actually, there's an episode um, of Buffy the Vampire. Intentional joke. Yeah, well, there was one point in um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer when um, all the parents get brainwashed by the little Hansel and Gretel kids, mm-hmm. and at one point Willow's mom is referring to Buffy as Muffy. Huh? And I'm like, oh hey, funny joke. You know, when when she had the knife and she was like leaping up on up and down from the table and everything, it's like, exactly. yeah, I can see a bit of Vampire Slayer there. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It certainly is noticeable. There is a similarity there. I really doubt it. I think the Buffy Muffy joke might have come from the movie. Okay. Also, seriously, what was up with that sex position? That looked so uncomfortable. <laughs> it hurt me. And I was only watching. I want to know how it works. I call it the crab cakes. <laughs> I call it the ow. Oh, no, seriously, ow. We need to go to the ER, like, right now. It's a very long name, but I think it fits. How many Thomas F. Wilson jokes were there about ding-dongs or dongs or hot dogs or sausage? I don't know, but I loved all of them. I'm like, no, I just yes. bring back him. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, like 40 minutes into this film, he's gone. Yeah. And suddenly the film loses all of its fun. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, I'm assuming that either A, that's supposed to be Mannequin up there, or B, they just like fake hang, like, you know, they somehow strapped him in there. And I'm like, I don't think I would agree to that. He didn't know when he got caught in the trap. It was after, basically, he's hanging, and then there's the snake, but then the fairy guy kicks it out of the way. And oh, yeah. I, I got confused as to who was who. Everyone started to blend together because oh, wait, they all look the goddamn about, same. Are you talking about the hanging when he got caught in the trap or the hanging in the house at, later in the end? I don't. I noticed on the second viewing that, like, when Hal's hanging, he kind of moves. I don't know if that was just the actor goofing or if that was intentional, but like when they're like running away. He's straight- trying to say his safety word. <laughs> and that kind of hanging is such an obvious, I'm not really dead hanging too. That's yeah, a- it's obviously, you know, I'm supporting the weight with my knees. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it kind of makes sense that Rob and Kit are in such a state of emotional distress that they probably aren't going to stop to think about that. Right. So I'm willing to forgive it for that in the fact that it isn't real. Yeah. But yeah, this film relies on people a lot to react a certain way. And really, if you think about it, there is not a whole lot of rewatch value. Because once you know the twist, it's like, eh, you're not yeah. really going to get much out of it the second time. I like watching the first half hour every now and then. But yeah, after that, it's just, yeah. I watched it again to see if I could poke holes through it and it... I couldn't, but it still didn't really bring any value whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it holds about as much water as a colander, so. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. We'll be here all week, etc. I like that it opens with home video footage, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh, are they going to pull the uh, the old found footage trick? Oh, that reminds me. 
Because, yeah, it starts off that way, but then later when Arch is doing it, it's a normal camera. So what's up with that? Yeah, it's like they start this kind of like, you know, video footage thing that they're going to do and then they never do it ever again. Yeah, because yeah, Arch has a video camera, and that, that doesn't really even pay off either, so... I mean, if, if you're going to involve that in the prank, you know, have it be that, oh, it looks like someone's dying on a video, you know? Yeah, you know what? I think that's pretty much, like, the mantra or whatever for this movie, which is basically, it doesn't pay off! Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't pay off. It pays off its one big concept, but it doesn't pay off any of the little things it's setting up in support of it. And the it, payoff that you get for its big concept, it doesn't really work in the grand scheme of things. It's a film that I appreciate in that there are bits where it is trying to be something different. And it is trying to do something different, and it has this kind of bold idea to just prank the audience. But it doesn't pull it off. It's true. So anything else, or are we pretty much done? How many times can you say the movie doesn't work? Yeah, Yeah, it's like, how many different ways can you say there's no payoff? Yeah. I mean, you can sign it, mime it, and Morse code it, but eventually it just becomes redundant. I actually really liked this film when I saw it back in the 90s, but yeah, revisiting it, a lot of it doesn't hold up. Does Thomas F. Wilson want to adopt me? (laughs) Yeah, I just ask people to adopt me now. It's a high rule. Well, I guess this brings part one to a close. Yep. Thank you for joining us, Angie. Oh, no problem. Evie, good night. I hate you so much. Not really, but you know. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything clever. (laughs) That'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Good night. I ate a scroll once. To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool.